Hello and welcome to Another Damn Conspiracy, the show where we examine the world around us and then try as fast as possible to escape it. I'm your host, Carl, and as always, I'm joined by George. Holy shit, was that a script? Oh, you've actually written it down. You've a- Oh my god, you actually wrote down part of a script. Well, well now, this is very professional. We're getting very professional. Um, we're recording I- on the Friday the 6th of December, mm. 2019. I thought it was worth saying that, just because of how crazy the world's got recently. Things changed so fast that Jeremy Corbyn might, like, kill a swan tomorrow, and we might be pro-Corbyn tonight, but he kills a swan. It makes us look like swan-killing sympathisers, and we're not. So I just thought we'd date the episode we just, just in case shit goes down, because it will do, <laughs> inevitably. Uh, so this is episode 19, if you're keeping track. 19 um, episodes, can you believe that? I know. Um, let's just not talk about the gap. Uh, I mean, almost. It's, it's, just been, it's just been long and intense, and that's... Yeah. I think that's fairly, fairly well summarising of it all. <laughs> I mean, it's been almost a three-year gap. We've been recording the entire time, so this episode's going to be about 42 hours long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and most of it's outdated as well. This could be great. So, uh, yeah, I guess... Get sat down, get a cup of tea. Um, we might that, when, when you were just starting off there, you were just saying that the last time we recorded, we were talking about Donald Trump getting into the presidency. Yeah, I that mean, was a st- that is such such a long time ago. But I would I would say that I feel like our our predictions have probably aged quite well. I mean, I haven't actually gone back and listened to them, but I'm assuming that they're along the lines of the world is going to end. And I mean, you know, it, we are getting there. Well, we're almost there. We're almost there. I mean, although the full archive of podcasts is available online, I don't oh, know. Oh, shameless. I don't know if you should listen to any of them. <laughs> I don't think you should listen to this one. Maybe turn it off now and save yourself. This is a good point to turn it off. We're only five minutes um, in. So it's good to be back. The world has got a lot crazier since. To think that yeah, Donald Trump had just been elected <laughs> was the last time we spoke is absolutely terrifying. Um, how many Brexit extensions have there been since then? Oh, fucking hell. I, um, um, I think we're up to four. Yeah, well, is it, I mean, was Theresa May in power? I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I don't think she... she even was because I've. I'm, the last episode we did, we made a, a Christmas. Um, actually, what's the last episode? The Christmas episode? No, it was. The Digital Economy Bill, La La Land came out fucking hell. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I know. I right, pass. But I don't think we ever put Theresa May in any of the album covers, so I don't think we actually recorded while she was Prime Minister. That's fucking crazy. But well, I might be wrong. She's... But, I mean, we didn't miss much, let's be honest. No. I, I don't feel like not recording while Theresa May was Prime Minister has left us with a massive gap in, in our uh, CVs of podcasts. I mean, realistically, <laughs> fuck all happened. It was absolutely yeah. fuck all. I mean, basically, we stopped recording, nothing happened, and now we're back and stuff's happening again, so we must be, like, the ones on Jesus. the pulse. It's, we're to blame. <laughs> yeah, we are so We're to blame. blame. Fuck me, we should stop recording right now, though it's going to get worse. I think I think I think let's 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 segue very nicely into something that you've been up to because obviously we've been up to lots of different things in the past three years. But 
something you've done is actually relevant. It's kind of hard to remember what I've done the last three years. I have to really scour sort of my memory bank to do. <laughs> it feels like I've just done not a lot but despair. Um, uh, yeah, well. But yeah, I was in Edinburgh two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Oh, yeah. I, can't, I can't remember when I was in Edinburgh. It was oh, three weeks. Let's, let's say three weeks for the sake of argument. It doesn't really matter. Mm. You don't care about the date. Um, but yeah, I was up in Edinburgh for the weekend. And I went to the National Museum of Scotland. If you've never been, it's an absolutely brilliant museum. We spent basically a full day there and we didn't even scratch the surface. And then we went back the next day and we also barely scratched the surface. It's um amazing just how much depth there is and also how many different kind of subject areas they try to sort of cram into one museum. So they have a Scotland bit, which is clearly obvious about the history of Scotland from sort of way back when to the present day and then they've got technology bits and a exhibit full of stuffed animals and textiles and there's a piece with like a full samurai armor and ancient Egypt and it's, it's, it's an interesting it's mixture in there isn't it? yeah it's literally a national museum of Scotland it's like everything to do with Scotland and everything in Scotland in one museum <laughs> but also um, quite a lot that's not to do with Scotland I mean they, they have a really broad collection yeah they've got, they've got all sorts they've got a Formula One car um, they've yeah. got bloody aeroplanes they've got that sheep Dolly the sheep that was a that was a clone they stuffed her I, f- I find that quite f- funny because it's on a rotating platform so oh. this this breakthrough <laughs> it's like a scienti- yeah this breakthrough scientific like thing is spinning around like a kebab in a Scottish museum <laughs> rotisserie science <laughs> um, really really recommend that movie I mean I recommend Edinburgh anyway it's just of a course. great place. Um, but the museum was fantastic. And I also went to the Scotland Loves Animation Festival, which is an, an anime festival they do every year. And usually I miss it when I do go up to Edinburgh. But this time the festival was so popular, they put a load of like extra screenings on and I managed to catch an extra screening. Okay. Um, where, where, whereabouts are they? Are they, in the, are they just in various cinemas around the city? No, they, they've that... got a lot of them. Yeah, no, it's at the film house. It's all at the one screen. The uh, um, is that what is that Lothian Roadway? Yes, Up towards the uh, west of the city. Yeah, mm. um, and they do because they do two dates in Glasgow, and then they bring the whole festival over to Edinburgh and two like two or three dates in Edinburgh. But yeah, I went to see the latest Makoto Shinkai film. It's called what? Weathering with You. He's <laughs> um, most famously known for Your Name, which was. Actually, got quite a big UK release a couple of years ago, and this is his latest film that's not out until the end of January on release here. But it was sort of part of the festival as an early screen, an early screening of the film, and it's one of these films where it had it's like a realistic Tokyo mixed in with a fantasy world, and I I don't quite know if they're both mixed, but it was a fascinating watch nonetheless. Um, and the well, story. What, what the, were the fantasy elements? So the story of the film is this: um, this high school boy runs away from his family to Tokyo to try and make a life for himself, and he befriends a girl who has this sort of supernatural power to manipulate the weather. Now, your name was a very similar film in which it had this supernatural mixed in with the realism, and that definitely kind of stuck the landing. And this one. Not so much, but what I really love about the film is that the Tokyo it depicts isn't a sort of idyllic. It isn't the actual setting 
is very realistic. So, like, it shows all the grime and the crime and everything like that. So when you're watching it on screen, the actual Tokyo is believable as a real city, not just as an anime kind of constructed world. Um, which makes that when the fantasy elements do kick in, and I don't want to spoil a film too much because I know, you know, it will be coming out on release in sort of the wider country. When the fantasy does come in, it's really interesting. But does it quite work? Like, towards the end, it starts to become a little bit more absurd. Um, but the animation itself is gorgeous, and the backgrounds are stunning. And, uh, the film is anime as fuck, <laughs> which is an official rating. But um, I think if you like your name, it's not as strong a film, but I still think it's it's definitely worth a watch if you like anime. Ben, basically eating and drinking. <laughs> Did you have a deep-fried Mars bar? I did not. I had that when I went to visit you many, many years ago when you <laughs> was up there. And your arteries have still never recovered. But it is delicious. It is a very, very, very um, distinct flavour. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, you like. I'll, but I've never, I've never actually been to the film house cinema to see a film. Now, now you've worked behind the scenes in, in, in a lot of cinemas now. Uh, of various different <laughs> types and standards and, and, and all that kind of thing. I mean, how how do you rate the cinema itself? I mean, is is quality of the screen good? The sound good? Yeah. I mean, is it a comfortable theatre? You know, how do you rate it? Yeah, yeah. We, it was a sold out screening, and yet it was still comfortable, not too warm. Projection was excellent. Yeah, I, I really rate the cinema. Um, it was a very good experience. And actually, mm-hmm. across the road from there is where we ate one of the nights, and it's not it's a Weatherspoons. I mean, a bit Brexy for my liking. It's a Weatherspoons. Which one? But the actual, it's the Cayley Picture House. It used to be a like a cinema, and then it was a theater. And the Weatherspoons bought the building and converted it into a Weatherspoons. Oh, it, I know. It's um the old H and V Picture House it used to be yeah. um used to be a rather manky club actually. Yeah, but they've restored it kind of back to its former glory. Uh-huh. But also, you can sit like so we sit in the god seats, the sheep seats, to have our meal. <laughs> but you could sit in all the different like levels of the theater. And the, the job they've done to restore it's like fascinating. Like I'd recommend it as a place to go, regardless of it being a Weatherspoons. It was just a very interesting sort of experience. Um, oh, there's some nice again, spoons in Edinburgh. There's another. There's yeah. another one on George Street. There's um, yeah. an old bank they've converted, and it's got one of those really, really I mean, massively high ceilings that have got yeah. all the, um, you know, the plasterwork decoration that's all been painted in. You know, tacky shades of gold and green and all that kind of thing, and yeah. it's it's actually it's actually a really nice environment. It's just a bit uh, surprising. Yeah, yeah, we went there as well, but we, yeah, the the Kelly Pitch House is definitely better, so it's worth recommending if you can tolerate um, <laughs> the Brexit. The bar mats, yeah, <laughs> of the bar mats. Other than that, um, um, but yeah, well, they're still the cheapest around, aren't they? So that's they are still cheap. That's, yeah. that's why you go. I mean, you know, value yeah, for money. Yeah. But no, Scotland was great. The anime, the Scotland of Anime Festival is run by. Um, it's been is it ten years they've been doing it, and it's mm-hmm. it's quite a dedicated group of people who have organised it. They always manage to get like different films in a lot of premieres as well. Like this film isn't out yet, but it's they've managed to get like, an early screening of it. I mean, I, um, I guess just 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 saying that you're in Edinburgh is enough to conjure up the, the big festival in the summer, yeah. and, and that in itself is almost a pass to. Being able to 
show some credentials, show, show yeah. that it's worthwhile premiering, you know, giving a premiere of your film at a festival in Edinburgh because it's yeah, full totally. of archetypes and it's full of people who expect that kind of thing from Edinburgh and will make the effort, such as yourself, to go and to go and see it there. Yeah. yeah I definitely. mean, and, and I have to say, it's quite nice that there is a festival outside of the summer you know, festival because that is yeah. utterly crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, it's the perfect time of year to sit in the dark room watching anime. Oh, God, yeah. Um, the weather's been but it's crap as well. Yeah. There's also that communal aspect because there's some stuff in the film that was definitely made, like, and it's only the odd reference. It's like in a Marvel film, you'll have little bits that are for, like, the fans, but then the majority of the film you can watch with no prior knowledge, and there's a Mm -hmm. few bits like that. So it's quite interesting when there's, like, little nods to his past films and everybody around is going, like, oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I was like, I get that reference. It's like, oh, that's oh, pretty. It's you know, that's... that sort of audience. Oh, yeah. God. They sit there with the script, <laughs> script open on their laps. No. Following every word. No. You just you just want to wind somebody up <laughs> very early on, <laughs> don't you? Um, but no, it's it's great because it's been an audience of people who like appreciate it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to try and go actually for the full festival sometime because. Yeah, I'm surprised you haven't been given, up. given you know, you're not that far away and it's not. No, just I suppose, a busy... I suppose it, with work commitments, you know, it's hard enough recording a podcast, let alone taking yeah. a week off to go to a festival. Exactly, but one day, one day I was just sitting and spending an entire weekend watching anime. Not at home. <laughs> what um... I was going to say, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> There's no real good way of transitioning between a really nice holiday in a great place. Oh, no, there is. There's a great way of transitioning. To... Look, it's the last holiday you're ever going to be allowed in Scotland because this time <laughs> next year it's going to be an independent country and Hadrian's Wall is going to be rebuilt and you're going to need a fucking visa, which is going to be unattainable, you filthy southern Sassanac. <laughs> Well, there you go. I thought this was going to be really difficult and lead a lot of editing, but you know what? You've just done it. Nah, nah, nah. You just, you, you just, just throw up some Brexit nonsense job, Donny. Yeah, Brexit. Um, oh, so, God. So as we're recording on the... Oh, fuck, what day is it? The 6th, the 6th. Uh, yeah. So yeah, as we're recording on the 6th of December, um, the general election's next week. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so in case you are listening to this and you're not sure when the election is, it is the 12th. I, I got a... 12th I get a, of December. Yeah. I get a postal vote and it's already come and I've already sent it back off. So I I literally didn't know oh. what. I, that's why I didn't know what day the election was. Oh, right, okay. I've already voted technically. No, no, no. I should be going out on Thursday the twelfth and I should be voting in person. Oh, get you to some sort of old nursery school somewhere or some abandoned village God hall. Knows, yeah. <laughs> oh, they've got they've got them in fucking post boxes and stuff, haven't they? I don't, I don't know. Actually, no. That's something else. That's defibrillators have got in post boxes now. <laughs> Did I say post boxes? I meant phone booths. <laughs> well, I suppose you kind of voted with a with a with a post box. Oh Jesus! No, okay, but well, they definitely they definitely had like mobile voting booths, didn't they? Yes, Polling booths yeah, um, yeah. for like remote need... villages, you know. Yeah, and we will need a defibrillator. Oh, fuck's sake! It's hard to say. Defibrillator. Yeah, we'll need one of them after the election whistle <laughs> next week. But bloody need one if Corbyn wins. What? Well, oh my yeah. god! <laughs> I have to wake him up again. So as we are known for a podcast that 
sort of dips our toes in the political world. Um, that's a Lies really polite. Durant. Yeah, that's a very polite way of saying it. Um, <laughs> this general election is the general election of the uh, of the decade of of our generation, as every single um, election and vote we've had in the past. For, God, five, six years has I been. Think, I think people are getting blase about it because I really do think this is an important election by comparison to other elections. I mean, you, you don't look at... When Tony Blair was going up for re-election, you didn't look at that as an important election the same way because mm. it was like... It was just continuity, really. Whereas this, we haven't had any continuity for, for you know, five years now. Yeah, very true. There's just, true. just been upheaval for, for that long and... and I think people are almost getting bored of it. They're almost used to politics being this, this much of a, a roller coaster, you know. And I, I, I don't think it's a good thing, really. No, I, I totally agree with that. Like, the instability we've had, it, it's. I, I'm struggling to like get my head around the dates, because it's just it's been so long. It's been like this that they've been in, the Tories have been in power for nine years, and they've been mm. slowly, kind of dismantling the country. Um, and then we had the Brexit vote, which again itself has been going on for a very long time. And uh, even it's, it's very frustrating because when the Tories have started doing this, you know they they have started from a a position where the state's in a, quite a good place, mm-hmm. and it's done so much work. It's like you know how many more years is it going to take before it's almost like New Labour never happened? It's really horrible. It, I mean it. There are opportunities there to to restore the state in a way that is maybe a little bit more, a little bit more caring and maybe a little bit more joined up. But 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 even still, you know, shouldn't have to. It, it should never have been dismantled in the first place. They should have left it, yeah. far, you know, well alone and, and and concentrated on other things. I mean, we could we could go into the reasons why they've done it. Um... Money. We might, we might, yeah, we might be here for a while if we go into it's the money. details. It's, it's very straightforward. <laughs> it's money. They've all got fucking investments in fucking, you know, housing firms and mm. bloody healthcare firms, private healthcare firms, obviously, you know, and all yeah, this yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And they're all getting bloody bombarded by dodgy think tanks that are persuading them to, you know, think in a way that doesn't make any fucking sense to any rational human. It's so dodgy. Yeah. And what I find the most kind of alarming and confusing about this era is that with all the clear bullshit, um, easiest way to describe it, with all the bullshit, there is still not a very clear opposition to that. Like, I personally, you know, have voted for Jeremy Corbyn many times now, um, which is a weird phrase to... say but um but yet it sh- should be more clear don't you, don't you think it should be more clear cut than it is like there is no like the conservatives are awful and the brexit buys its own awful and the lib dems keep doing stuff that's very tory like and i don't like that um it smells a little off and yet the labor party is not in a very strong place at all and so when you start thinking about like who's going to win this general election i don't think it's as clear as it should be you know it, sh- it should be very clear I, I, i'd agree with you that there is no there's no central tenet to, to labor's message 
you know, it's very simple for the Tories. It's all about Brexit and 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 austerity, and then the Lib Dems come in, and it's all about Remain. Um, whereas I I agree that Labour doesn't have any uh, theme to their policies. It's just kind of a a package of social reform, and 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 that appeals to a certain sort of person, but it's not very catchy at all. You know, it it's quite. Um, I feel like it's spread too thin across too many things. There's no, there's no individual um, way of thinking that everything hangs on. I, there should be some central message. There should be, and I remember when Corbyn was talking in the past about you know things like you know how are there homeless people in our country? We're one of the richest countries in the world. I feel like that was quite a strong message that that, that could appeal to an awful lot of people, and and and. This idea that we are the sixth wealthiest country, why are there all this injustices? I feel like that was a really strong message to put forward, and for some reason, seemed to have kind of let that one slip and and bottled off into all sorts of funny, weird directions. And it's it's kind of frustrating, and and I can understand why you know there are spin doctors commenting about this on Twitter in a really pissed off way because I think they're right to to point out that there is no driving force behind what Labour's doing. Um, I, I, I agree with all the, the reforms that they want to bring in, but they're not exciting and they're not snazzy, and they need to be in an election. Like I've I've read the manifestos to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. They're not exactly um, light bedtime reading. Um, uh, well, well, they're going to put you to sleep. Uh, very, yeah. <laughs> um, and... Labour's the party. I, I agree with the most. The policies are sound. How they're going to sell them, especially with so much against them as well. Like, like yes, the Labour Party is not in the strongest place it's ever been, but also there's a lot of outside forces making that certain that's the case as well. Um, you just have to look at the news media around us. It's a little bit, I don't know, it's a little bit weird. Um, but I... I I hope the Conservatives don't get back in because they've they've clearly proven they can't be trusted to run the country I, and not destroy it. Like, I, think, I think what we really need to worry about is actually not so much the Tories winning a majority, but there being a hung parliament and the Tories being um, propped up by not the DUP, but by any Brexit party MPs that might. Mm. And now the predictions for Brexit party MPs winning... Uh, at least at the moment, is between four and eight. And if yeah. the parliament is hung and it's very close, like it is now, well, with the support of the DUP and the Brexit party, actually, we've got a really, really nasty combination yeah. driving the Tories into the absolute... their absolute worst form, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of the worst-case situation. And on the other side, I think the best-case situation is a... Uh, probably a Labour minority government where you know, no one's actually got any control but Labour will try and get things through on a on a, on a kind of supply and demand basis with mm. like the SNP, possibly with the Lib Dems, depending on what the policies are. And kind of, uh, that, you know, if that's kind of the best case situation, that's kind of frustrating because a lot of the social reforms that really appeal to me and, and lots of core Labour voters would never get through because the Lib Dems will never go for them. Yeah, like things like nationalisation all this kind of stuff. It's desperately popular, but the Lib Dems, it's just they don't believe in it. They just yeah. don't believe in it, and they they won't go for it. 
And so that stuff will fall by the wayside. But on the other, at least sensible-ish Brexit policies might happen. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I think that's quite a bleak electoral lookout. Yeah. To see to see on the one hand, sort of the nastiest form of the Tories being swung around by by the Brexit Party and the the, the DUP is the worst case, and that's terrible. And then the best case is 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 really just not that great. It's just not that great. And I feel very frustrated that that's where we're at because yeah. by now we should be kicking the Tories in the ghoulies. And it's yeah. just not happening. It's just not happening. And and, and Corbyn is to blame for that in part, I, I, I should think, because he's not a media performer, um, at least in this sort of traditional sense. I, I have actually seen him speak at a rally, and I think that actually he was very good. He's very, very good at a rally. He's inspiring, he speaks well, he speaks passionately, he can ad-lib, he's quite... And, and all of those things are things that you don't see when he's talking on the telly, Yeah. really. And, and I think maybe the, that scripted environment doesn't suit him in the same way that it would suit a slimy politician like Blair, because it used to suit him down to the ground, right? So, <laughs> and I think that maybe that's why Labour isn't in a position to just get an outright majority. I mean, I'd yeah. love it if they did, but I really don't think it's going to happen. I don't think yeah. it's even on the cards as a, as a possible yeah. outcome. Yeah, I, d- I definitely agree. It's going to be a minority government. Of which side? I, I don't know. It's because it's not... I don't think it's clear-cut, and I think that's where a lot of the frustration with politics at the moment comes from. There is no clear answers. We know we have a lot of divides in this country. We have a lot of social issues we really need to work out. Um, and that's on top of Brexit, which is this is this constructed, you know, bullshit issue. <laughs> um, and where do we go from here? Like, we need the social reform desperately, um, but Brexit is always going to be kind of a rope around the neck of whoever t- takes it on next. So it's well, it's uh, no doubt difficult. it is a, it is a poison chalice. There's there's no question of it. Whoever takes over will have to suffer because of mm-hmm. Brexit. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know this is this is party politics. It's how it is. They've got to make tough decisions, and if they show a responsible attitude, the public can be forgiving. But yeah. I've seen no evidence of any responsible attitudes. No, uh, because people are playing silly buggers on all sides. You know, the, you've got infighting in both of the main parties. The Lib Dems are just trying to cash in wherever they can. I mean, they've got absolutely yep. no moral fibre whatsoever. <laughs> uh, it's very frustrating. I mean, I've, I've even seen division in the Greens. The Greens, there's about four of them. <laughs> Ridiculous. And they've all got one central belief, and that's a green is good. Um, yeah, yeah, but they can't. They, 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 there's disagreement as to whether the EU is good for the environment or not. Yeah. I, don't, although I, I have to say that um, I do like the idea um, of a, a sort of tactical voting electoral pact. I really, really urge listeners, if, if you are in an area where... Um, seat is marginal look at voting tactically because this is an election where that vote really really matters because a lot of these constituencies are going to be super super close like really close and if people do vote tactically it will make a difference it's not like you're throwing a vote away on some some secondary party in the off chance that they win you know there's actually a realistic chance and and if you are a remainer and you like Labour's policies but you think that the Lib Dems might take the seat yeah, vote tactically. Do it. You know, 
someone like me, I, I, I don't think I could ever bring myself to do it. But I know there's plenty of people out there who don't feel um, attached to a party. They feel like they kind of align with one party, but they maybe align a bit with another party. Well, if that party that you align with a bit is the one that's going to keep us in the EU and that's what you want, well, then I think you should just vote for them because realistically, Brexit is the only thing that's going to get done in this following parliament. Realistically, because once Brexit happens, people will be calling for another election anyway. Yeah. Or, or if Brexit is cancelled, people will be calling for another election anyway. It's basically the only issue that's going to have anything actually done to it. There might be bits and bats going on in the background, like the Tories have, been, have continued to cut in the background. But it's 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 not as if people are thinking about it the whole the whole lot because everyone is so distracted yeah no, i couldn't say it better myself <laughs> uh, i mean also part of the problem here is is <clears throat> is the way that the elections being covered because we we we're talking a lot about um personalities and that means that there isn't a lot of volume or policy but that's the nature of having Boris as prime minister. You know, yeah. just 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 the fact that we can refer to him as Boris is 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 an indication of where we're at. He is a persona and a character, and as a result, the media are taking that on because that's what people want to hear about. They want to hear about what the character Boris has been doing this week. Um, yep. And and actually, I mean, how many Tory policies do you, have you seen in the news? Fuck all. I've seen yeah, fuck all anyway. Yeah. I've seen more Labour policies because I keep my eyes open for them. But Tory mm. policies, you know, <clears throat> it's the same as Labour. If you don't go out and look for them, you don't find them. You don't see yeah. them. You don't know who you're voting for. Instead, you're voting between, you know, Corbyn or Boris. This is not. This is not a way to vote. No. It doesn't matter. You know, people talk about, oh well, what's Corbyn going to do if he ends up in a room with Putin? What's Boris going to do if he ends up in a room with Putin? You don't bloody know. You can't tell. But yeah. the point is, they're all going to be surrounded by mandarins from the foreign office, guiding them, helping them, making sure they don't fuck up, making sure they don't see <laughs> Gibraltar to, you know, some Russian baron by accident, all this kind of stuff. You know, they've got people holding their hands. They will be fine. It doesn't matter who you elect. The British diplomatic corps is like a, a cornerstone of the British establishment. It isn't going to yeah. go away in one election. So don't think about are politicians in that way think about the policies and what they actually want to achieve and give them the opportunity to achieve it if you agree with it yeah no, i totally agree that's the way i but yeah well um, but i mean the, the so. trouble is that if you feel like you have the time to go out and look at these things you'll make a, you'll make a sensible decision but actually lots of people don't have the time and i think particularly young people they don't know where to begin they know that they should vote and i think people have been registering to vote but when it actually comes to who to vote for it's like oh, how, how the hell yeah. do we find out? And I think that's a fair point. And, and voting tactically can be a good way of, um, kind of sorting out who you want to vote for based on the kind of the feel that you get from the parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And we'll find out what happens next week. <laughs> um, and we will discuss it further if you have anything you want to add to this discussion at all. Um, we do have an email address, which is another damn conspiracy at protonmail.com. And we're also on Twitter and Facebook at damn conspiracy. So if you want to send us a message about what you think, how you think it's going to go, um, the next episode we'll record will actually be p- 
post-general election. So it'll be very interesting yeah. to see yeah. how, like, our opinions and also how, like, the listeners' opinions, how that is reflected in the actual outcome. That'll be, that'll be fascinating. Um, but until now, we can just vote. That's all we can do. Just vote and we'll find out. And, I mean, if you are thinking of voting for a left-wing party, even a centrist party, please go and vote. If you're thinking of voting for a right-wing party, please jump in the lake. <laughs> Preferably a, a quite a deep lake. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they say you can drown an inch of water, so... Yeah. <clears throat> as, long as, they, as long as they do it with enough determination, you know. That's no, true. it's a terrible thing. We shouldn't possibly say these things. Everyone's Everyone's got a right to their vote. Yeah. yeah the, Just the, the regretful be... that people waste it, squander it on ridiculous parties. Anyway... Yeah, why waste your vote when you could drown in a lake? Another damn conspiracy. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, I think you've got something else lined up. Because um, obviously we're, we're, try- we're still trying to do the whole... Part media, part politics, part media, part politics. So I think you've got some more media stuff for us now. I do, yeah. Uh, so the last thing we're going to discuss this week is, well, since we've been off air, Disney has bought Fox, which is absolutely crazy. So now Disney is the biggest media conglomerate, I think, on the planet. I think on the planet, definitely I mean, it, within it, it, Hollywood. It, was, it, it wasn't far off, but it was always kind of, um, it was always kind of big on on movies. Um, and it was had a growing TV business, but it wasn't really into news, was it? And 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 now, with it buying Fox, actually, it's it's kind of expanded not just its its size, but also its scope as a company. Yeah. Right? It's 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 new territory for them in many ways. Yeah, and one of the things that I find alarming about the company becoming such a big media conglomerate is the fact that. You know, competition's good. Competition's good in a market for driving creativity and driving the content. You fucking whereas, Tory. Whereas Disney these well, the, Disney these days, their competition this Christmas for the new Star Wars film is Frozen Two. Like it is two of their own product versus each other. Like they've got such a demand on the market now that certain film distributors are looking at the release dates and Disney always released theirs so far in advance and going, right, we can't book a film there, we can't book a film there, because we know Disney are going to clean house. Um, and so it's very worrying in that regard. But the, the the subject I wanted to talk about today is more about the film preservation side of it. Um, in particular, the screening of films. There's an article in the LA Times which was discussing the fact that Disney are starting to quietly stop distributing Fox classic films. Now, Fox have... Now, what, a, I mean, why is that? Why? Uh, well, it's not very clear. Now, Disney have always been rather protective over their own content. You see... I, that it, I, I mean, they, they, used to, they used to release almost in, in, in little, little spurts. You know, they, would, they yeah. would give out, here's a re-release of Jungle Book for the next six months. And then you'd have nothing for five years, and then it'd be another, yeah, quiet re-release. You know things like that. Yeah, and Disney are, are kind of taking this little bit of approach to the Fox catalog stuff that doesn't fit easily within the Disney brand. They're kind of quietly put into the side. Um, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not familiar with which films are part of Fox's back catalog. So, I mean, what what examples are? 
Fox are well known for sort of films like The Planet of the Apes, um, Alien, Princess Bride, films like that. Fight Club is one of um, Fox's films as well. And I mean, I'd have he... thought The Princess Bride would be okay. In the... I mean, I, I'm, I think listeners will, who aren't familiar with these things will probably be surprised that that isn't part of Disney's back catalogue already. Because yeah. it, it, it does seem like a proper classic children's film with a bit of a family, family vibe to it. Yeah. But what's happening is that smaller cinemas are finding that Disney are becoming more difficult to deal with, that they're saying that you can't have these films. So some people who've already booked films in are having the sort of films cancelled and Disney say, like, we don't have a copy available. And it's like, well, it's a digital file. You have copies available. And it's stuff that these these smaller cinemas who often rely on re-releases as kind of a core part of their business they're taking away the rights to show those films. And I find it extremely worrying that Disney are doing this because, um, as we all know, the the best way to see a film is the way it was intended to be shown, on a big screen. Mm, mm. And there's a lot of films where, like, you know, we're of a certain age, there'll be films from, like, 40 or 50 years ago, well, I've never seen on the big screen, but deserve to be screened in the best possible way. And and what Disney are doing is restricting the access to that content like they do their own. But for a back catalogue that is a much sort of how has a wider depth and kind of wider field than Disney's own content. Disney have always been very family friendly. Fox, not so much. Like you wouldn't think Alien is a kid's film. You know, you just wouldn't. Um and I, I think it's got very sort of worrying it's worrying for the future, especially because we're becoming sort of a society that has more and more ways to access content. And like Disney themselves are starting a streaming service for their stuff, and there's Netflix and all these different ways to watch stuff. But Disney are going back to the old ways of keeping content to themselves, not doing anything with it. And I think I think it's really worrying for the future of cinema. Not only is that the future films will be kind of more sanitized as Disney tried to make everything in the mold of Disney. And yet, the old stuff, the history of cinema, has been locked away by Disney. It's, it's, I, mean, I think it's it, kind it, of is terrifying. It, is, is it simply a branding exercise, though? Or is it because Disney sees the future of its business as being uh, through streaming? And actually, that the cinema is only for new releases because there is no money to be made from people going to the cinema to watch old yeah. classics anymore. I mean, I think it is a, already a fairly niche thing, and maybe a cult film like Fight Club would attract an audience. But for, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that if you, were, if you were in town for the day doing shopping and you were thinking, oh, I'll go at the cinema after, after I've been to the shop because you know, I've got a lot to do and I just want to have an evening relax, I don't think you would, you would look at the cinema showings and say, I'm going to go watch Fight Club. Because you wouldn't. You would go and see, you would go and say, oh, well, Star Wars is on. I'll go see the new Star Wars film hmm. rather than, oh, I'd go and see Fight Club. Yeah. And and, I mean, and maybe maybe that, that, that kind of aspect of diehard fans just in Disney's eyes isn't enough. Particularly when those diehard fans can have those films on demand if they pay Disney lots of money for their streaming service. It's one of those things that Disney haven't given the reason why they're doing this. No, it's of very course. um sort of behind the scenes. And for Disney, it makes little sense to do these screenings. Disney don't like dealing with smaller cinemas like when the last couple of Star Wars films came out, the terms were so ridiculous. They had to be out for a certain amount of time, 
a certain amount of weeks in the biggest screens possible. But like, and multiplex can do that. A multiplex can put Star Wars on a certain amount of screenings a day in the biggest screen because it doesn't affect them. They have many screens. But for a smaller art house kind of cinema who rely on uh, now and again showing a big Disney film, they are kind of screwed by the system, you know, that Disney are forcing upon them. But for again, for Disney, it doesn't matter. They they want to deal with the big chains with the big amounts of money. But for these little cha- these little art cinemas, a special one off screening of say the Princess Bride, you know, or Alien is actually a big money maker for them, and that's mm. that's where it becomes, to me, you know, problematic. It's Disney don't care because they have so much money. Why would they deal with stuff that's going to make them no money? But for the art house cinemas and the small chains who rely on this sort of content, it's actually a massive deal, and I think it's definitely a. It shows Disney's interest in both its history and of the history of the company they bought. They only care about that history when they've got they can exploit it in a way that's going to make them yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. And with Fox's content, they've bought a lot of it for the distribution networks around the world. They've bought a lot of it for the family friendly stuff. They bought it for things like the Star Wars rights, like the original films were owned by Fox. Now they're owned by Disney fully, so they can exploit that to a, how they want. But there'll be films that just don't ever get screened again because Disney won't make any money off it, and so why bother? It's it's more a, hist- uh, a question but of it's, film it's, preservation. It's a, it's a fairly dramatic cultural loss. That yeah, it's 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 a proper it, it's a proper loss of of of, of history. Apart from anything else, because you know, a lot of these films have gone on to be very influential in the films that we still see in the cinema today, and then not being able to see them and not being able to understand the context of the film you're watching is actually disappointing for anyone who's remotely interested in cinema. Yeah, and it, and it's not just disappointing; it's almost um, it's the sort of thing that ends up being forgotten. Yeah, you know, we we go round. You know, films always go round and round with the different themes and and topics that we make films of and, and that we like to watch, you know, they're always generally very human stories or, and whatnot, but but of course we, we're not going to see where any of it's come from. It will be, it'll only be for certain people with certain special access. Yeah. And and that's a shame because that's a part of our culture that we'll lose. Yeah. I, I, do, I do think it's stranger because it's literally money for all rope. It, you know, yeah. it, it it doesn't cost them anything, not really, to, to, to copy a, a digital file and send it across with a you know a little contract attached. It doesn't it's cost just... them really anything to do that. And yet they don't want to do it. So I, too, I, there's, there's got to be more to it, you know? It seems to be it's just too small a thing. They only want all the money, not a little bit of money kind of thing. Yeah, you know, but it's... it's bizarre because, you know, you can imagine a, a situation where you have a little department dealing with all these small cinemas... And you know they turn um, a sort of smallish profit, but it's a guaranteed profit because little cinemas are always going to want access to these old films, and they're always going to bring in a sort of a certain type of audience, and 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 why not? Yeah. Because it, it, they're always going to making money off this if if they just have a small little team sorting these things out. But where is the problem with that? 
it's I don't I don't think it's just because they only want the big box because they want all the box. They can have the big box and the little box if they wanted. Mm-hmm. So where's the problem? Is is it that it damages the Disney brand? You know, to to I, yeah. to, to be re-releasing old stuff, or yeah. do they feel that um, if they screen um, the 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 classic Aladdin movie, is that actually going to harm? Numbers of people going to see the new Aladdin movie yeah. a month later. Is is that what they think? Is that how they feel? I, I I don't know, but you know, it just seems very strange as a decision to do it. I mean, yeah. there's got to be something else to this that that, yeah. that Disney aren't being upfront with us about. I I wonder part of it because Disney didn't buy Fox's news or Fox's like. You know the political stuff to do with Fox, like yeah, newspapers or the television. It's a bit um, of a shame that because they might have you know restored some sanity. But the thing is, is the Fox is has Fox tainted its own brand? Did Rupert? I'd say Fox is is toxic. And that's I mean obviously Fox is an historical Hollywood studio, but Rupert Murdoch bought it and kind of turned it into the when when you when we talk about Fox. The first thing I think of is Murdoch and and the Fox News channel and all this bullshit with Trump. The second thing I think of is the bloody logo before Simpsons. Yeah. But I can't watch the Simpsons and see that logo without cringing. So, so I definitely I think it's a tainted brand, even though you know those two things are different parts of the company entirely. It's definitely tainted for some of us. So I wonder how much of that influences Disney's decision to release these films even though as a fan of cinema it shouldn't it shouldn't mm. but but they're not going to brand it Disney either because clearly you know as we say Alien is not a Disney film but it's not, not the first time this has happened right I mean Disney has, uh, has a history of creating pseudo studios which release their darker films just a part, and it's not just Disney either it's just a part of how studios work right yeah. If they have a fil- if they have a, a film that's not on brand, they'll just release it under another label. Um, but that's why I thought Fox was going to be for Disney. But the way they're going about things is I don't know. It's it's suspicious to say the least. I mean, um, I, I wonder. I wonder if the brand just isn't worth expected it would be worth, or that they just didn't see the value in the brand as much as they saw the value in the distribution rights or yeah. uh, or perhaps in the back catalogue, you know, I don't know. Perhaps it's simply that Fox films compete quite well with Disney's own back catalogue. And if you buy it up and then don't release it, there's no competition anymore. Maybe. Buying out the competition is a classic tactic. Yeah. And maybe Fox films will get better distribution once the heat is off Disney. Because at the moment, all this, bit, all, the, well, all this talk is about... Disney bought Fox. Maybe in like ten years' time, when people don't associate Fox with Disney as much anymore, they can get back into it. But it's I don't know. There's it's it's a very strange situation and one I don't think we're going to be able to sort of get to the bottom of today at all because Disney are being very quiet about what's happening. Very very. Quiet. I mean, if you're listening to this and you and you think you know something or you you think you have an idea that might explain it, do do let us know. Do share it with us because as you yeah. can see, we're both quite puzzled about this. Frustrated and puzzled, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 
and on that puzzling, frustrated note, which has been most of this podcast, we started off with quite a high, <laughs> and we got very angry and confused and puzzled very quickly. Yes, um, well, <laughs> it's 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 what happens when you know my brain starts to go. I just end up confused. <laughs> you know, it, it wouldn't be a return to the show if it wasn't also a return to form. Sorry, the form, the form we had, um, <laughs> but. Yeah, that's all for this week. So if you've got any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss next time or if there's anything we've sort of discussed this week and you want to sort of chime in with your opinion, we've got a Facebook and Twitter account that's at Damn Conspiracy. We've got an email address, which is anotherdamnconspiracy at protonmail.com. You can send a voicemail through our new podcast host, which is a frightening idea. I, I don't know we, if we, I... whether we'll play it or not. It depends. <laughs> it depends on the content and and also yeah. the sound of your voice because my voice is already quite annoying, you know. And and if we have even more, you know, just put people off, man. But if you don't have an annoying voice <laughs> and you don't have a pro an, an opinion we fundamentally disagree. <laughs> no, I mean if you have an opinion we fundamentally disagree <laughs> with, we can always play it and rip it to shreds. I mean that's okay. So yeah, if you want, to just be... bear in mind that might happen though. Yeah, so if you want to be publicly humiliated, um... well, I mean, I wouldn't call this publicly humiliated. You know, it's not exactly mass media. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, you can visit Anchor.fm/slash/damnconspiracy, and there's like a little voicemail link on there. Um, you can do it on your phone or on a laptop or computer or whatever you have a microphone attached to. You can record and send us a voicemail. Please do get in touch, however you want it, or don't. Done. And if you do record it using one of those old PC speakers that can also suspiciously work as a microphone, do do let us know because that's funny. I mean, the worst. It it shouldn't work, but it's funny, and it might even sound better than my own microphone. So you know. Oh, the worse the quality of the message, the more likely I'm going to play it. So. So there's a com- there's a competition for you all. Oh, I forgot. I completely forgot. We we ran a Brexit poetry competition a haiku competition many really? episodes ago did we yeah. really oh that's um, amazing but do we have a winner so do we have any do we have any submissions the submissions i stored on a hard drive which has died and oh. and the prize i lost on my move <laughs> <laughs> oh top top notch competition there so that competition's just we're just gonna leave that back in the last run of episodes and hope none of you ask again. But if you do have a general election limerick, do share it with us. You can you can even sing it to us in an audio file through a speaker <laughs> if you want. Oh please do. You would I'm not sure make... there's any prize because we might just lose it again. Or maybe you'll lose it first, who knows? Uh, <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> so he's gone. I'm gone. So the music featured in this week's episode is by Free Dogs. You can download their album for free from their Bandcamp site, which is freedogs.bandcamp.com. Um, I highly recommend it, not just because they let us use the music for free, and because they're mates. <laughs> yeah, no, let's just hide that fact. Just we don't do nepotism fact. for another damn conspiracy. <laughs> We don't. Uh, the next episode, we we really want to get something out for Christmas because one, 
you know, it's Christmas, it's nice to relax and have a bit of fun, but also to general election results, I, we need to discuss <laughs> them. Um, but I, I also don't want to promise because, like, we never officially had a break, and then three years later we made an episode, so we might be back. No, no, that's a lie, that's a lie. Look, this is episode 19, right? That means that there were two series of nine episodes, right, that came before, and this is the third series, right? So it's just a lie. It's, it's entirely okay. planned, all part of the plan. Yeah. And our current plan, which, as you know, we'll definitely stick to, is to have a Christmas episode with general election results. So if you want your Christmas with a side order of just sadness. just No, just sad. no, not sadness. Probably effing and jeffing. If you want an effing jeffing Christmas, um, oh, please, yes. please, please tune in for episode 20. Please, please tune in. We, we need the listeners. We can't we lose you. We need the you. listeners. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, um, on that note, I'm going to go because I need to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next time, everybody. Good night, people. Farewell. What the fuck is with all these conspiracy podcasts? Fuck me. They are some proper bullshit. They're so popular. It's horrendous. Yeah. Well, if, if this goes tits up, we can just become one yeah, of those. We've already, fucking... got the t- we've already got the title. <laughs> yeah, Trump was involved in the faking of the moon landing. Yeah, bloody hell. I, I, right, I was watching the Brexit cast podcast uh, on, yeah. on telly after uh, question time. What the fuck is that program? They replaced a proper talk show, albeit with a slightly mouldy-looking host, with yeah. a fucking... It's a fucking radio show, except they've just slapped some webcams in front of them. They had, <laughs> they had, they had Coonsberg off in fucking the Midlands somewhere. They had Chris Mason up in bloody Scotland. And, they, and yeah. then these other two just sat in the bloody BBC studio. It's the most bodged, glued-together thing I've ever seen. That, that's so why real, we... And it follows question time. What on yeah. earth? I, mean, I know it's an award-winning podcast... Much like our own, but yeah. seriously. Well, that's why we needed to come back. Yeah, exactly. We've got to raise like, the standard again. This is very poor. Yeah, I mean, the fact the standard dropped below ours um, is quite astonishing. Um, award-winning in itself for all the wrong reasons. Um, yeah, I mean, I, let's just not talk about the awards that we've won. Yeah, let's not. Um... <laughs> if, just, if you just don't go there, then it's not a problem. No, we, we managed to sort that lawsuit out, so I'd rather not. <laughs> 
Oh, should we start? Or are we just going to talk shit? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Listen, we better start, we better start. Okay. Um, i got to remember how to do the introduction, so this should be fun. Uh, it starts with hello. Hello. No, no, not like that. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'm going to fuck it up, and I'm going to do it again, and then we're going to get it right, yeah? Sure, sure. Okay. Hello and welcome no, to... No, 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 not like that. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, how do you want me to talk? How the fuck do you want me to talk? I don't know. Look, you're the introduction, man. I'm, I'm just telling you that what I'm hearing is, is, is unacceptable. It's, it's, it's a pronunciation of the word hello is just... So how should I pronounce all it? Wrong. Uh, look, you're the expert on this one. I, you know, I'm oh, just, just, just criticised from the back seat because I don't do the intro. <laughs> you, you know I'm not editing any of this out. Oh, fucking hell. All right, go on, go on. You better start then. You're boring and shitless.